Leading lights from the literary world, art and activism in the streets of Ukraine, and the King of Pop coming to a cinema near you. That's all coming up in today's show. Well, we're starting with a new arrival at France's most prestigious literary institution. Mario Vargas Llosa has been admitted to the Académie Française. The Peruvian Nobel Prize winner is the first member never to have written a book in French. He's best known for his novels such as The Time of the Hero and The Feast of the Goat, which zoom in on Latin American politics. Vargas Llosa was accompanied to his inauguration in Paris by former King of Spain Juan Carlos, a choice which raised a few eyebrows. Here's more from the writer at that ceremony on his relationship with the French language. Thanks to learning French and continuously reading work by French authors, I secretly aspired to become a French writer one day. Well, staying here in Paris, where a street artist is making sure the message Slava Ukraini, or Glory to Ukraine, is heard loud and clear here in the French capital. He goes by the name of C215 and has been making political and humanitarian statements through his work for more than 20 years now. Last year, he travelled to Ukraine for a project that straddles art and activism. The results are on show at the National Assembly here in Paris. Loïc Chalavon and Olivia Bizot went to check it out. A famous French painting revisited in support of Ukraine. The work of street artist Christian Guimy, also known as C215. His art is being displayed in the French National Assembly. He went to Ukraine at the beginning of the war to create stencil works amid the ruins. My work is not that of a journalist nor that of a columnist. These works aim to draw attention to the situation, so I tried to show the beauty and innocence that exists within a horrific context. Innocence like that of the children he painted, inspired by the features of his four-year-old son. These paintings now cover the walls of many Ukrainian cities, including Lviv, Bucha and Kyiv. It's a humble tribute to the people of Ukraine. We must not forget that this is a country at war that has other concerns. You have to stay very modest and understand that it won't change people's lives, it won't change the war, but those who have seen my work have always welcomed me with open arms. For the past 20 years, social activism has been at the heart of C215's work, and he regularly collaborates with public institutions. He was asked to exhibit his work by the President of the National Assembly. I was impressed by his ability to bring beauty out of the rubble. There's politics, but there's also art and people's engagement, at whatever level, to promote peace and democratic values. And who better than artists to bring these efforts to light? The exhibition was inaugurated earlier this month. Among those present was a speaker of the Ukrainian parliament. Ukrainians living in France were also invited. It is very interesting and an important way of raising awareness. I think it's great that such a large exhibit is being displayed at the National Assembly. The images are incredibly moving. A massive thanks to the artist. Slava Ukraini is being exhibited until the 25th of February. A mural that C215 painted at the start of the conflict in Lviv is also on display in eastern Paris. The artist plans to return to Ukraine in the next few months. 
It's become something of a staple in wardrobes around the world. The kimono is a historic garment that first appeared in Japan over a thousand years ago and still regularly graces the catwalk. So what's the secret to the success of what could be considered a sophisticated dressing gown? Well, the Musée du Quai Branly here in Paris is now honouring the kimono with a sumptuous exhibition. Catherine Kadir Clifford has more. From samurais to geishas to pop stars, the kimono is always in vogue. A trend that has stood the test of four centuries. The literal Japanese translation, thing to wear. The garment appears sophisticated, but its design is very simple. A T-shape cut from a single piece of fabric. The kimono became popular in Japan in the 17th century. This one, embroidered with silk thread, represents a scene from the country's mythology. And this one is decorated with traditional landscapes. In all their rich detail, they are artworks in their own right, currently being exhibited at the Musée de Quai in Paris. This unisex clothing was as suited to samurai fighters as it was to elegant geishas or traditional Japanese actors. These actors were really the stars of their time. People would try to wear, say, the checked belt worn by a particular actor in a particular play or a kimono with a particular pattern, so they were really trendsetters. Yesterday's influencers are still represented on the catwalk. And in Japan, the kimono is still worn for special occasions. For example, young women wear them to celebrate their 21st birthdays. Madonna opted for a latex version, while David Bowie and Freddie Mercury embraced the androgynous quality. It's a garment that will likely never go out of fashion and keep on reinventing itself. To film now and an upcoming biopic which is already hotly anticipated and it's still in production. Michael Jackson's being brought to the big screen. His ups, downs, successes and scandals. The King of Pop's own nephew, 26-year-old Jafar Jackson, will be playing the lead role. Here's a preview of what's to come. Dead ringers? Hard to tell across the decades, but there is a certain family resemblance. 26-year-old Jafar is the son of Jermaine Jackson, Michael Jackson's older brother. He's the latest arrival in a long family saga that began with the Jackson 5 in the 1960s. Jafar recreated an iconic dance move to announce some big news. He'll be playing his uncle in an upcoming biopic. I'm humbled and honored to bring my uncle Michael's story to life. To all the fans all over the world, I'll see you soon. The upcoming film's director, Antoine Fuqua, says Jafar has a natural ability to imitate his superstar uncle. And the role will be a difficult one to inhabit, as the production has promised not to gloss over the numerous accusations of pedophilia and child sexual assault against Michael Jackson. Some critics, though, prefer to look the other way. The fact the family is involved, we can imagine that hopefully it will focus on the more extraordinary elements of this exceptional artist's career, his music, his part in the Jackson 5, and his solo albums. 
Jackson was himself a movie buff. In 1988, he starred in Moonwalker, a musical anthology based on his career. The new film based on his life will likely be far less adoring. To Colombia now, where the Hay Festival's Cartagena edition has seen literary heavyweights gathered in the Caribbean city. Among the guests, Deborah Levy, Leonardo Padura and Bernadine Evaristo. The British writer came to wider attention with the novel Girl, Woman, Other when it won the Booker Prize in 2019. And that prompted many people to delve into the rich body of work she'd built up in the 1990s and 2000s. Well, one of those books is Blonde Roots, a speculative fiction which reimagines the world with the transatlantic slave trade reversed, that is, white people being sold to wealthy Africans. She told us more about the book as it's published for the first time in a French translation. Take a listen. I wanted to write about the transatlantic slave trade because it was a really important part of world history for hundreds of years, but I always liked to do things differently. I didn't want to write the kind of expected slave narrative. So I thought for a long time about how I could approach it in such a way that it would do something different with the history. And then I came upon the idea of creating a world where Africans enslave Europeans. And that really excited me. And I didn't know how it was going to work out, so it was a bit of an experiment. But as I began to write it, I realised it was quite, could be quite satirical. And also that the world I created was a parallel universe, so it wasn't realistic. I could play around with it, I could play around with ideas, and um, at the same time, still explore the issue of slavery. We're going to Morocco now for another literary event, and this one is a first, the Festival of African Books in Marrakesh, bringing together writers whose work is published in English, French and Arabic. It takes in debates, concerts, poetry readings and more. The idea is to concentrate talents from the continent in one spot for an annual meetup. We'll leave you with a look at the action. Otherwise, do remember there's more arts and culture on our website and our social media channels too, and there's more news coming up on France 24 just after this. Culture does not make people. People make culture. If it is true that the full humanity of women is not our culture, then we can and must make it our culture. ومن الحكمة نسيان الماضي، لكن ليس لنا من زمن غيره. La magie des mots portera son rêve. Je me ferai magicienne. Je ciselerai les mots. De que los crímenes de periodistas se deben de perseguir con toda la fuerza del Estado para desalentar los ataques a periodistas. No es la solución que nos pongan un agente ministerial o un policía detrás de nosotros. Porque el día que nos quieran matar, primero matan al escolta y después te matan a ti. Y tenemos que sembrar ese mensaje. El que toca a uno de nosotros nos toca a todos. No hay de otra. Y si para eso hay que derramar sangre, aquí está la mía. Y la que siga.